This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Darshan Johan and in the studio with me is Hezreel Ashraf. And joining us on Zoom today is T. Xiao Ik. So today we're going to be uh, talking about how businesses are requesting for more aid from Putrajaya. So 13 points. Those are the contents of a 13-point memorandum which 113 NGOs of small and medium enterprises have handed to the government to help businesses recover. This, of course, comes amid the second MCO. But despite a loosening of economic restrictions compared to the first MCO, many businesses feel that more needs to be done. So to hone in on what these measures entail, we'll be speaking with one of the faces behind the memorandum, Chris Daniel Wong, who's the president of the Malaysia Digital Chamber of Commerce. That's right. And on Twitter, we're asking you if you feel confident that businesses will experience a steady recovery uh, once Malaysia rolls out the COVID-19 vaccine uh, vaccinations, which is an, a matter of days. So your options are yes, with strict SOPs, uh, only with more government aid, or too soon to tell. So you can uh, select those choices there. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio and send your thoughts by sending a WhatsApp message to 018-789-8899. So, you know, I think it's been pretty clear how much businesses, both small and large, have had to struggle over the past few months, right? And how uh, businesses have been a central part of the conversation around the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, right in the middle, along with the concerns on public health. I mean, we only need to refer to the recurrent theme and phrase throughout this pandemic, which is balancing between lives and livelihoods. We've heard that almost daily by Health DG Tantri, Dr. Noor Hisham Abdullah and countless uh, other experts. Yeah, and the numbers have been quite bleak when we look at how badly businesses have been affected. So in November last year, the Ministry of Entrepreneurship Development and Corporation uh, reported that since March 2020, which is when the first MCO was implemented, 30,000 businesses have closed down. Mm. And get this, over 70% of those businesses are just micro-enterprises. You know, they're, they're small businesses. You know, we're not talking about big companies. Um, these are small businesses, uh, many of whom employ people who don't necessarily have high educational qualifications as those working in the big corporations. Um, neither do they have wide safety nets uh, for that matter. That's right. So now, now to help businesses navigate the pandemic, the government has already rolled out a 320 billion ringgit in relief measures over five stimulus packages since March 2020. And we'll Probably, uh, you know, remember Panjana, mm, yeah. the latest package that's mm. been released. You know, the measures include um, uh, RM10 billion in wage subsidies, loan moratoriums, even discounts on electricity bills for businesses of up to 9%. Yes, and amid this second MCO, which the government announced last month, more stimulus aid has been rolled out to help the rakyat and businesses cope with the economic restrictions. So this is called the Permai Stimulus Package and is worth 15 billion ringgit. But businesses still want the government to do more. And so this is how a task force came to be set up to relay their concerns to the government. Yes, and, and the task force consists of 113 SME organisations and they've submitted a memorandum to the government consisting of 13 points, including requests for a loan moratorium, a suspension of statutory fee payments and more. So the organisations have collectively written that they, and I quote here, they strongly feel much more needs to be done with both a unified implementation strategy and unbridled urgency. Yeah, but so we thought we'd delve into this memorandum and how... 
the demands of uh, this coalition of SMEs might help businesses if they uh, end up being implemented. And to walk us uh, through this, we're joined by Chris Daniel Wong, the Joint Secretariat uh, Business, uh, sorry, the President of the Malaysia Digital Chamber of Commerce and a member of the Joint Secretariat Business Survival Group. He's also a signatory to the 13-point memorandum submitted to the government, which was drafted by, uh, again, the, the 113 NGOs. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, to start off, um, let's take a step back. You know, how are businesses during uh, doing during the second MCO, especially compared to the first MCO last year? I think uh, as compared to the first MCO last year, uh, announced, uh, I mean, which took effect on the 18th of March, we've, we, mo- most of us are doing badly as compared to the first one. Primarily because before the first MCO, uh, I mean, if you want to relate experience, before the implementation of the first MCO, we have ample of time. Last year, we gone through Christmas and then we gone through Chinese New Year. So there were two peak seasons of sales for many, many type of businesses, ranging from retailers to tourism, whether domestic or international, and then going to um, F&B hotel services. I remember very clearly that last year, uh, in the month of February, during the Chinese New Year, we were still having big, large dinner gathering, which contributed a lot of income to the uh, F&B business, especially the restaurant. One and a half weeks before Chinese New Year, I was in Hong Kong traveling so uh, for business. So as you can see, at that time, people were actually uh, doing well. They were... Uh, they were actually uh, selling well of their products and services, so they got a lot of cash on hand. So the first wave of MCO on the 18th of March until probably June or July, we can see from this evidently when people are really uh, coming out to contribute to the uh, lower rung of the society, the B40, I would say. So you've seen a Malaysian from all walks of life chipping in, buying grocery to donate to the poor, giving cash uh, a donation and so forth. But as compared to this year, MCO 2.0, I mean that a lot of business has not much cash on hand because we miss Christmas. Not only that, we miss Chinese New Year. All of the sectors, I would say, are not doing well. Although we have a, a short time of one month plus of RMCO in uh, December, but that is actually essentially recouping the losses of the uh, CMCO back in September, October, November. So you only have one month slightly more of a peak time. right? Then come January, you have a total MCO. Uh, we were all over the place. Businesses couldn't open. So, so you can see that there's not much cash being conserved. So businesses are actually doing very badly as compared to the first one. And if they were to announce a third MCO, I would think that, um, I mean, don't quote me wrongly, but I would think that people would just start rioting because there's no more jobs and uh, there's no cash in the business. So, so far, this second MCO is shorter than the first one and there has been some loosening of economic restrictions already, right? So, dining in is allowed and most, if not all, retailers can now open. So, have you found these updated measures to be helpful? This MCO 2.0 is technically shorter and uh, more sectors are allowed to reopen. But the announcement came a bit too late. It's like three days, if I'm not mistaken, before Chinese New Year. And um, most of the, uh, you know, retailers, I'm just quoting retailers, they will have stock up. They will have stock up uh, new clothes or maybe uh, uh, dried foods 
for those hypermarket kind of uh, or supermarket kind of business, they would have stocked up since December uh, because you have to order at least two or three months in advance. And most of this canned food, I'll give an example, uh, are imported stuff, uh, especially those Chinese new canned food uh, are imported stuff from uh, China. And then, uh, well, the hotels at the time during the RMCO were expecting a boom that people would travel interstate during the uh, festival period. But then uh, again, uh, it did not materialize. So the hotel would have uh, planned for, uh, you know, gathering in, in, in the hotel restaurant or maybe events, uh, as, even though we have to follow SOP. So they would have planned uh, for that. So, so although it's a shorter period, but the planning being rolled out by the government, I would say, uh, was all over the place. It was poor. We can see that many departments are working in silos. There is no interaction. So then uh, many, many business associations came together and start to engage with the respective government ministry to, to look at how to look at science and data to reopen the economy. So, so I would say that... Um, it is all over the place, yeah. Okay, before we get into the memorandum you submitted to the government, tell us a bit about the task force that came together to draft it. Well, uh, this is not the first time this task force uh, hand over the memorandum to the government. Uh, we actually uh, created this uh, task force back in the first week, if I'm not mistaken, of April last year during the first MCO. So uh, there were at that time there were about thirteen associations came together, and those who came together are mainly from the retail association, all right, uh, including those uh, e-commerce businesses. So a lot of businesses and industry were grappling; they were struggling actually. Uh, how do we send goods out and so forth? So I would say we were among the first who actually uh, came up with this task force, and then uh, eventually we volunteered along the way. Uh, I volunteered along the way. I was the second batch of volunteer, not the first batch, I would say. And then beginning of uh, April, you know, you sit at home, you got nothing much to do. So we began to read a lot of news, you see. And then uh, what struck me was actually the COVID-19 Act. So I read about uh, three countries were the first one to uh, establish COVID-19 Act. I remember Singapore was one of them. So then uh, we've been speaking in our WhatsApp group that we need to push for a COVID Act during the first week of March. And then the second week of March, if I remember vividly, we did a first uh, Zoom press conference, uh, a Zoom webinar, Facebook press conference. I think this is the first time in Malaysia that uh, we have uh, industry coming together and do a press conference using Zoom and Facebook. So then then uh, one of our demand was actually uh, passing a COVID-19 Act. And we were very thankful at the time there were about five or six recommendations that the government took. So uh, so we came together uh, early of March and then uh, mid of March uh, towards the middle of April. And then uh, from there, we know that the cases were high. There were nothing we can do. And then gradually became CMCO in July, August, and then uh, to RMCO. So we were quite, uh, we were quite uh, proud and pleased to say that uh, although many of us are competitors, you see, friendly competitors, like, but for the sake of, you know, the business, and for our employees, we put aside our differences. We came together. We worked together. Of course, there are many, many task forces who sprang out, you know, mainly due to frustration, I would say. That, because uh, whatever we comment on Facebook, whatever we comment on uh, social media, I do believe that the ministry representative and the minister would have read it. But the response, as I said, was slow. 
And then um, uh, one of our task force member, uh, I would say he knows the current prime minister back in those days, many, many years ago. So uh, we have been lobbying to see the prime minister with this memorandum. You know, sometimes when we see the uh, bureaucrats, there's only so much they can do. But when you see the CEO of the country, when he puts his foot down and says that this has to be done, top-down approach. So sometimes um, we try to go bottoms up. Uh, sometimes we try to engage with all relevant parties involved. But, you know, they can only bring so much of voices up to the minister. And whether the minister brings these voices up to the cabinet, we do not know. All right. On that note, we do have to go for a very quick break. Hang on the line with us, Chris. We are speaking with Chris Daniel Wong, President of the Malaysia Digital Chamber of Commerce and a member of the Joint Secretariat Business Survival Group. So when we come back, we'll look at the 13-point memorandum SMEs have sent to the government and uh, explore other things as well here on the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Dashan Johan. In the studio with me is Hezreel Ashraf. And joining us on Zoom is T. Xiao Ik. So today we are talking about how businesses are requesting for more aid from Putrajaya. So this comes amid the second MCO and a coalition of more than 100 SME organisations uh, which have submitted a 13-point memorandum to the government to help businesses recover. That's right. And on Twitter, we're asking you if you feel confident that businesses will, be, uh, will experience a steady recovery especially when Malaysia rolls out uh, COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, We're asking uh, your options are yes with strict SOPs, only with more government aid or too soon to tell. So make sure you head to Twitter for that app. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio and WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Yep. Now we are continuing our conversation with Chris Daniel Wong, President of the Malaysia Digital Chamber of Commerce and a member of the Joint Secretariat Business Survival Group. He's also one of the business leaders who came up with that memorandum. That's right. So Chris, thanks for staying on the line with us. Uh, so you've walked us through the challenges businesses continue to face and how the task force uh, behind the memorandum wants to meet directly with the Prime Minister to uh, relay how SMEs are doing under this second MCO. Tell us about the memorandum itself then. What sort of assistance are you requesting and what are your main goals? Yeah, the 13 points. Uh, um, it, it still comes back to what we have uh, first uh, requested during MCO 1.0. Um, I think specifically is that um, those statutory payment, we need to contribute EPF. We need to con- contribute SOXO. We need to pay income taxes. I think, uh, I mean, we are in unprecedented time, and unprecedented time calls for unprecedented move. All right, I mean, Hazrul, you would have heard many businesses institute almost seventy percent pay cut. There's no work, and the worst is that you got retrenched. So, so this is one of the statutory uh, payment that we ask for waiver, local council fees. Now we know that the local government need this kind of fees to to continue to operate today. Uh, a license fee of probably few hundred ringgit could be a lot you know, to, to a shop that is not even operating. Give for example, a salon or barber shop is not operating since uh, the last two months. You ask them to cough out 200, 300 ringgit, that's a lot for them because they just don't have the cash. So so statutory fee is one thing. Then, 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 then the next um, is actually electricity bills. Although that uh, we talk about uh, a lot of businesses not open, but when they open, uh, let's say I give um, I, I I keep on giving salon for example, I mean you go and cut hair probably in a salon it costs you twenty ringgit to thirty ringgit. I'm just giving an example. Um, 
but your aircon and your and and your lights are still still need to be switch switch on, as if that you are doing uh, hair coloring, or as if that you are doing uh, what we call that uh, perming uh, or steaming somebody has. So the amount of collection versus the amount spent on electricity does not correlate at all. So, um, so in the past we got two percent or ten percent discount, and I mean, my goodness, you go and look at twenty twenty or twenty nineteen TNB uh, financial report, they are still making tons of money. So giving forty or fifty percent rebate is, I would say, is nothing. All right, uh, I, I would say it's nothing. So, so that's one thing. Yes, number one is to help to save costs. Number two, we need. Uh, initially, during MCO 1.0, we need new SRF loan, special relief funds. All right, we don't see that at this moment, so we need the government to come up with dana jamming, so that banks can actually give more uh, loans to the SME, so that they will have cash flow to stay afloat. And number three, we need to open back interstate travel. Interstate travel doesn't mean that everybody can travel freely for holidays and so forth. There must be SOP involved, getting letters of permits like the first CMCO. But if you don't have interstate travel, then the rest of the economy will not be open. All right, only essential services. But the rest of the economy is not open. Like for, for example, even we talk about factories, huh? there are also factories that is operating as non-essential. But these factories need to be open. All right, uh, so that other states can actually give in orders and they can produce the order and send to other states. If not, I would I would I would say that there will be more and more people who have no jobs. You see, uh, I sum up this three. Uh, number one is the uh, we need more loans to be handed out by the uh, banks, uh, similar to SRF government guaranteed. Number one, number two, we need interstate to open so that hotels will have business, so that some form of entertainment center will also have business. And then uh, we need uh, what we call this uh, moratorium. Uh, so these are the three things I was I was sum up. Very critical three pointers for the SME and entrepreneurs business to continue to survive. And besides uh, the Prime Minister's office, which other ministries did you send the memorandum to, and how has it been received so far? I mean, you know, are you optimistic that the government will take your views into consideration? That's a good question. We hand over the memorandum to the Ministry of Finance, the Ministry of International Trade Industry, the Ministry of Domestic um, Tourism, and we hand over to the Prime Ministers. We have been engaging with the Minister and also the representative of the Ministry. But as I say, it's different ministry, different people, so it's very silos. We have yet to be able to meet up with the Prime Minister. Uh, we are trying to see what kind of strategy that we can uh, make and have to actually meet up with the Prime Minister very soon. Either probably we do a press conference and uh, air out what we need to tell the Prime Ministers, but we hope to see him either in a webinar or maybe in person because he needs to listen or he needs to hear, not listen, he needs to hear from the bottom's ground. There are certain things that I'm telling you right now, Hezra, may not reach his ear, but it could have been filtered to him. And, uh, you know, like he gave an example of Machik Kia. Uh, I like the statement that was being made by uh, Dr. Sri Ismail Sabri two, two weeks ago. He was in the highway. He said that we allow uh, small stores like Machikia to open because they are earning wages on the daily wages. They are earning daily wages, right? If they don't open their warung or their store, they can't have daily income. But there is another Machikia, which is actually probably the uh, uh, Naslama restaurant operator. All right? She is also another Machikia. But she was not allowed to open at that time. But the, the Machikia who pasang the kema, the umbrella, can open. And that's one problem. Another problem is 
you have this one makcik here who opened up the umbrella, opened the warung in front of the shop of another makcik here. But the customer is still the same person. One customer will either go to the warung or one customer will either go to the restaurant. So, of course, being a layman, I will go to warung because we will generally feel that food is cheaper, is it? Instead of walking to a restaurant. So, you are cannibalizing. Right? You are cannibalizing another machikia, but another machikia actually profiting. So, these are some of the, what we call it, the layman uh, feedback that is not being brought up to the higher level, especially the prime minister. There is only one example I'm giving you. So, we need to fix this uh, unforeseen circumstances that happen. When we roll out one policy, another issue happens. So, we need to fix this issue. Okay, so Chris, you've said that the measures you've asked for, which are rental reliefs, a wage subsidy program, loan moratoriums, uh, these are ones we've seen before in the first MCO, right? So does that mean that the old policies that have previously been implemented have been proven to be effective at helping businesses? Yes, I totally agree with that. We are requesting that the same policy because it works. Like, for example, the SRF loan, right? When they hand out 500000 to SME, it helps a lot. And that 500,000, I would say for the last, from let's say April or May until now, is all used up. So you need new SRF loan. That's one example, right? When you give a, a blanket moratorium for certain sectors, like for example, hotels, right? FMB, these are the sector mostly affected, or maybe spa and salon. These are the sectors that is mostly affected. You give them direct moratorium, it does help them a lot. When you open up interstate travel, you will help them to open up their businesses. So, these are nothing new. This policy does work last year. And why doesn't the government bring back this policy and do it again this year? Because these are proven methods that work. So, I felt that if it's proven, we should just continue with what's proven. We don't have to reinvent the cycle again or reinvent the wheel again. As uh, you mentioned earlier as well, Chris, some states are already transitioning into a CMCO, um, you know, with new COVID-19 cases going down every day in many areas across the country. And despite the continued ban on interstate travel, which you touched on, uh, many other restrictions have been eased, um, but with tight SOPs in place. So do you think that for businesses, at least this combination of easing restrictions, but with uh, strict SOPs is a good approach moving forward? In my opinion, uh, COVID-19 will be among us for the next decade. We can't run away. So are we telling ourselves for the next 10 years or next decade, we continue to do this way? CMCO, MCO, RMCO, we continue to close, right? Um, the vaccine is coming in, but there's no guarantee that with the vaccine, we can return back to normalcy. There's no guarantee, right? And probably as we're speaking, uh, the vaccine producer could be probably testing uh, other variants kind of our vaccine. They are, they are producing vaccines for other type of variants. So, so having said that, we have to live with COVID-19, whether we like it or not, right? So, so having said that, I do personally believe businesses that contributed to high cases of COVID, especially manufacturing and uh, construction sectors, they have to continuously do testing every fortnight. And I do believe their profit margin is enough, right? To main, to to I mean to 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 pay for this kind of cost, right? So as we see during the MCO, these are the only two sectors that is operating, but these are the two sectors that contributed the most cases. So every fortnight or every three months, they have to do testing on their employees. Then only can the government continue to monitor the cases. That's number one, and number two, if we have institute that, 
then the rest of the smaller sectors, the SME sectors, can open up to operate. Because why? We because because it's actually a top-down approach. When we settle the top of the chain issue, right, then the rest of the chain at the bottom, it, the salon can open, the restaurant can open, the theme park can open, the hotels can open, even cinema can open. So so that's what I'm trying to say. So right now we have uh, many states which are CMCO. Alright? But what happened if under these states, suddenly one of the manufacturing sectors blew up and you got 1,000 cases. So the state suddenly goes back to MCO. But this factory that have 1,000 cases could have chosen to do fortnight tests, tests or I mean three ones kind of tests. So, you know, business are business. Business are meant for profit. They will not spend this kind of money. So the government has to institute a law, a regulation that mandate this kind of businesses to continue to test. So even for the SME entrepreneurs, I think if they allow them to operate, they wouldn't mind at all maybe to test the employee two weeks once or three once using the uh, rapid antigen test kit, which is far much more cheaper, you see. So you must institute a policy. Uh, I give another example if they don't understand. Before a couple, husband and wife, get married, especially for Muslim, it is mandatory for them to go and do HIV tests, am I right? So it's the same thing for employees. Every three weeks once or two weeks once, you mandate the employee to go and do COVID tests. That is the only way we can go forward. There's no two ways about it. Mm. Now, now you've touched on the need for businesses to uh, adapt to the pandemic, even with the arrival of the vaccines, right? You've asked people to be cautious. Uh, but are you optimistic that mass vac- vaccinations, which you know started in a few days with frontliners, will at least help uh, businesses to recover? I look at uh, our current demographic. Economists will tell you it will be a V-shaped recovery, but I will look at a W-shaped recovery. Uh, it can go up very fast, but if there's a new variant comes in and we don't have the vaccine to address the new variant, it will go down. So it's a W recovery. So it go up fast, it can come down fast, and then it can go back up fast. Or I would say it will be a flat recovery, a very flat U-shaped kind of uh, recovery. We, it is still early to tell. The United States, if you do a comparison, they have vaccinated almost 51 million people. Uh, one six, I would say one-sixth of the population. But based on the uh, business report, uh, financial report, we don't see businesses are improving. We only see stock markets are improving. As, as we know, uh, stock market is a bubble market. Pro- professionally, I don't see uh, a V-shaped recovery uh, uh, on our local market. I will see a flat U-shaped recovery. People will still be very cautious. I rang up my friends, uh, my business partner in Beijing. Although uh, more than half of Beijing population have already been vaccinated using their Sinopharm or Sinovac vaccine, but they are still very scared, fearful to go out. So I, I think people draw that kind of experience from China and US. They will still work from home, stay, stay at home, uh, limit their movement. Uh, and we will see a full recovery, in my professional opinion, by the summer of next year, 2022. In fact, some of the economists uh, say that you will see a full recovery by the end of 2020, 2022, actually, uh, not in 2021. So I think for the next two years, since last year, we still have to live uh, with this situation. And uh, I would say there's not nothing much we can do. And that is why the task force has been actively engaging with the government, uh, informing them of our opinion on uh, what is best to be done with the uh, industry. 
And is there anything else that you hope the government will consider to help businesses navigate these challenging times? Yeah, um, you know, uh, we've been we've been hearing news, and then uh, we've been uh, you know we've been um, uh, reading newspaper that the government uh, actually engaged with the business community and so forth. Uh, like one of us, uh, I mean, uh, the task force and and other other task force as well. Uh, but what I would like to see is actually a national committee between the private and public sectors. Uh, we need to have a roundtable this uh, uh, kind of a committee that is made up of various ministry and also uh, with the business sectors, so that uh, it's like uh, we all can come together and uh, you know uh, give them a direct feedback. As how I mentioned earlier on, I started off saying that uh, a lot of government agencies working in silos. And that is something bad, all right? We need to have a coordinated effort of a roundtable kind of industry representative together with the various ministry representative. We need that, all right? We were quite late in uh, forming our, what we call that, uh, medical advisory council, something like that, which Singapore, which have formed since the early days. So, so we have to draw this experience from other countries. So this is what we need. Uh, currently, there's so many, which is not bad, but there are so many other industry representative task force. We, they are also working in silos, engaging with the respective ministry. So why can't the government just set up one ministry? Uh, sorry, how can, what, I mean, the government set up just one coordinator committee made up of the private sectors and also the uh, government agency. From there, they can break up into subcommittee uh, that works uh, in line with the respective industry. Then the subcommittee will bring back to the what we call the uh, the, the main committee. So, so that is something that we need to work on. How, why do I why why do I say this? Because I can confirm there is no such thing at this moment. I've been talking to some other big association. I doesn't want to mention them. Some of them are, are in manufacturing or or, house, or construction retailers and so forth. So they engage with the ministry one by one. But there are certain industry. I give you for example, like for example, a music tuition center, a music tuition center doesn't fall under Kementerian uh, it doesn't fall under domestic ministry but it falls under Kementerian Komunikasi so a music tuition center want to open has to go to communication ministry would you think that the bosses of the or the business owner of the music tuition center knows that his business fall under Kementerian Komunikasi he would think that if it falls under Kementerian Kepenggunaan so these are the certain things that business people doesn't know. So there must be a national coordinated effort to engage the business owner from various sectors. That, that is what I felt, actually. All right. Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Chris. That was Chris Daniel Wong, the president of the Malaysia Digital Chamber of Commerce and a member of the Joint Secretariat Business Survival Group. So we spoke about calls by SMEs for the government to step in and do more to help businesses survive and recover the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm, and he also walked us through the 13-point memorandum, which more than 100 SMEs uh, have submitted to Putrajaya. Uh, sorry, 100 SME organizations have submitted to Putrajaya. And this entails the measures that they asked for in the first MCO, you know, loan moratoriums, discounts on electricity bills, as well as calls to resume interstate travel uh, with tight SOPs in place. That's right. And on um, Twitter, we've been asking you, if you feel confident that businesses will experience a steady recovery, uh, especially 
especially once Malaysia rolls out its uh, COVID-19 vaccinations. And uh, 35% of you have said yes with strict SOPs. 23% have said only with more government aid. And 42% uh, say that it's too soon to tell. We, we also have um, some messages uh, that have come in on Twitter. Mojo uh, t- tweeted, uh, recovery? Yes. Steady? I'm not so sure about that. We don't know what's going to happen in uh, the, a few years ahead. Is there going to be a COVID-23, 24, 25? Who knows? And <laughs> yeah. I guess that, that refers to the, the year. Uh, and then uh, Farhi uh, Yusuf tweets, it's, it all depends on Malaysians. They must realize that vaccines are not the end of COVID-19, but just the beginning of the end. We can't just go back to the old normal. And we have to accept that the new normal uh, is here to stay. We've uh, a long way to go until we can become... Um, you know, like other countries like New Zealand, and and I think that's in reference to you know, uh, you know, uh, really uh, clamping down on transmission right. there, right? Yeah. And then uh, Painley uh, tweets, um, you know, uh, okay, so yeah, it looks like that's it. Sorry. All right. <laughs> okay, so you can keep sharing your thoughts with us by tweeting us at BFM Radio. You can also WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's show. You can, if you'd like to get in touch with the Bigger Picture crew, you can look us up on Facebook. We are BFM The Bigger Picture. You can drop us a message there. If you missed any part of the show today, you can download the podcast. You can find us on bfm.my slash the Daily Digest. We are also on the BFM app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. Coming up at 3pm on Live and Learn, Hez will be sticking around to speak about stimulus packages. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. So I'll be speaking with uh, Jamal Kwame Sundaram, Emeritus uh, Professor and Fellow at the uh, Academy of Sciences. And uh, we'll, we'll be looking through at, you know, has the government's uh, stimulus uh, relief measures been, you know, successful at helping uh, businesses and the people recover, or uh, do we need a different approach? So that, that's what we'll be running, uh, we'll be discussing today. All right, so you stick around for that. That'll be coming up after the 3 p.m. news. Once again, I'm Dashan Johan, together with Hezreel Ashraf and T. Xiao Ik, and this has been the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture BFM B, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.